0: Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash mom hour. Hi everyone, I'm Sarah Powers. And I'm Megan Francis.
1: And you're listening to a special series from the Mom Hour podcast called Pandemic Perspectives.
0: In this series of episodes, we're talking to parents and people from around the world whose lives are affected by the COVID-19 global pandemic in a way that might not make it into your social media feeds quite as often.
1: You'll hear from families on the front lines experiencing an unprecedented time in a very specific way, and you'll hear what's challenging as well as what's hopeful. We can't wait to share their stories with you. Welcome to Pandemic Perspectives
0: from the Mom Hour. Hey everyone, this is Sarah and you're listening to Pandemic Perspectives on the Mom Hour. Today I'm talking with Laura, a mom of two from California. Laura, tell us about your family, including your kids' ages and what you do for a living.
2: Yeah, so I live in California and more specifically the Bay Area. I have two kids, a two-year-old son and an eight-month-old daughter. And I am a respiratory therapist, have been for about nine years can't believe it's been that long
0: <laughs> yeah can you tell me what a respiratory therapist is and does because i admit it sounds real relevant to what we're going through right now but i didn't know what that was
2: yeah and i think a lot of people didn't know what it was kind of before this pandemic i didn't know what it was before i went to school to be honest mm-hmm. um so basically what our job entails is we are very specialized um kind of our bread and butter is cardiopulmonary Um, not really diagnostics because that's up to the doctors, but Mm -hmm. we do a lot of like breathing treatments. We run the ventilators in the ICU. Okay. Um, We help basically set those up, get people comfortable in the settings and basically manage the um, duration of their time on the ventilator. Okay. And then
0: in pre COVID-19 life, would your work look like um, in a hospital or in some kind of other treatment center? Like what's, yeah. what's your, before this all happened, what was your kind of, where were you working and with what type of patients?
2: Yeah, so primarily we work in the hospitals is where most respiratory therapists are employed. Um, you can work in a home care setting. You can also work in outpatient clinics doing PFTs or pulmonary function tests. Um, And the patients that we usually see are people with asthma, COPD, um, emphysema, any kind of like lung issue, basically.
0: Okay. And so a lot of your role is, um, has to do with almost, it sounds like the technology and the equipment as well as the, like treating the patient. But um, with a lot of the, am I using the right word, like the medical equipment that helps them with their breathing?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we in the hospital setting, we will get our assignments in the, um, in the morning or night, if you're night shift and you can either be assigned the ICU and be managing the ventilators and kind of the more complex cases, or you can, um, get a list of people on the floors with breathing treatments that you have to do. And that's, I don't want to say more laid back, but, um, you can talk to people and, um, we have a lot of frequent flyers. So we kind of get to know some people too. So
0: would, would a breathing treatment be like what I've experienced when my kids have had like a bronchiolitis or a pneumonia and they, and they do like the nebulizer with mm-hmm. the albuterol, but it's just yeah. in a hospital setting. But that, that's Correct. what you mean when you say, so it's like takes a few minutes and you you're with the patient and you're administering some kind of, um, medicine or treatment through the, through that, that type of thing.
2: Yeah. That's exactly what we do. Okay.
0: So that is so interesting. It's a line of work I really had never thought of. And then now (laughs) it is so relevant. Were you full-time? We're going to get into how things have changed, but before all of this, uh, what was your schedule like?
2: Um, So I am full-time, still full-time. Usually it means about three. It depends on if your hospital does 12-hour shifts or if you do eight-hour shifts. Mm -hmm. So Mine specifically is eight hours and we're, you know, 24, seven operations. So I am the swing shift or three to 11. Okay. Um, and then the 12 hour shifts usually are like seven to seven. Yeah. Either day or night. So I've, I've done both. I've done day shift. I've done night shift. I did night shift for like, I think six years. Wow. Yeah. And then after I had kids, I was just like, I got to get off nights. My body was getting mad at me. So, yeah. (laughs) I would love for you to
0: kind of talk about what are the biggest ways that your life looks different now than it did, say, a month ago. I mean, you're in this line of work, but what what has changed the most or what feels the most different?
2: Um, I think there's just there's just been an increased level of intensity just Mm -hmm. at work. Everybody's just kind of on edge and things are always constantly changing Mm -hmm. um, in regards to our protocols or how we're supposed to treat this patient because this is a new disease we have never never dealt with this before so all these um, therapies and things that we've tried before either don't work or we're trying something new and we have to learn about that so it's just the mental load of being at work is increased Mm -hmm. like tenfold and then there's always that you know kind of anxiety in the back of your head. You're like, did I wash my hands enough? Was mm-hmm. my mask tight enough? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you know, heaven forbid some mm-hmm. medical professionals are starting to contract this and they don't mm-hmm. really know why. So that's always in my head. Cause I, you know, nobody yeah. wants to bring this home to their yeah, family.
0: Absolutely. So what, what feels hardest right now?
2: Um, I think just having all the kids at home. Cause my son used to do preschool. So he's been and he's two, so he's been bouncing off the walls.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, you know, there's been a huge shift in his life and his schedule changed. So mm-hmm. he's had to get used to that and um just having the baby home. And luckily my husband's home to kind of help too, but he's also working. So there's mm-hmm. just been a lot of um uprooting of mm-hmm. everything that we've been used to. So that's been hard and then add on, you know, this intensity at work and right. it's,
0: well, you're right. Because when you come home from work, it's not like you're stepping into an oasis of calm.
2: Yeah, <laughs> um, <no. laughs> So you're
0: carrying it at both levels. Has your schedule yeah. remained roughly the same? Um, are you seeing like um, a demand or an on-call, like a change for how often you need to go into work?
2: Um, not really. They haven't mandated overtime or anything yet for us. Um, we've put in for kind of an increased need for staffing. So we'll see how that plays out, but hopefully we won't need that.
0: So you still have some days where you're you're not at work, and then that's when it's just hard to have a baby and a toddler. That is just yeah. a hard, That's, a hard like, that's just hard life. in
2: and of itself, mm-hmm. let alone trying to parent during a pandemic. Yeah, okay.
0: exactly. Well, what um have you seen that feels hopeful right now? And it can be anything. You don't have to comment on you know in a global way, but what's bringing you hope, or what what are some things that um, you feel hopeful about right now? I
2: have to say, I mean. It's been very hopeful and helpful to, as a medical professional, seeing all these people just giving out their encouragement to us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of almost like being in a mental marathon and mm-hmm. just, you know, that I've never run a marathon. Kind of, <laughs> Me neither. And so. I'm not going to after <laughs> this. But um, no, I'd imagine, you know, it's kind of middle of the marathon. You're tired. You just want to quit. But then you see all these things online of people saying, you know, we appreciate you. You can do this, and it just kind of gives you that extra boost of like, okay, I can, I can do one more shift, and um, just taking it day by day helps a lot.
0: I mean, for a lot of us who are trying to think of ways to help, I mean, that encouragement is something you see as a suggestion. It's it's really nice to know that it does make a difference, that it feels good to you. So I yeah, love that, and
2: it's it's also nice too to you know, as a mom perspective, everybody's. I mean everybody's in the same boat, you know, mm-hmm. whether you're at home working from home or you're stay at home or your husband's home or whatever, mm-hmm. something in everybody's life seemed to have yeah, had changed. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, is there anything that from your perspective as a healthcare worker you wish that other people understood or something that you're not seeing talked about as much that you know, you hope will will come to light?
2: Um, say so not just as a healthcare perspective, but just as a human, and this mm-hmm. goes with anybody, I um, think people know it's okay, whatever you're feeling, you mm-hmm. know, as a healthcare provider, I'm, I'm terrified to go into work every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's okay. And then some days, you know, I'm excited, I'm ready, I'm, you know, ready to fight. But um, whatever that is, it's okay. And it changes day to day too. some yeah. days, I love my job, I, I'm proud of what I do. Other days, I'm just like I wanna stay home with my kids and then when I do <laughs> <laughs> some days I don't want to do that either. Yeah. So been there. Yeah. Yeah. This is just a constant motion of emotions for everybody. So. I agree.
0: I agree. Yeah. And and it seems like they're cycling through even more rapidly and maybe in a more extreme way than normal. So I think that's really valuable that it's just, it's okay to feel what you feel. Well, Laura, it's really wonderful and helpful to hear your perspective. So we thank you so much for agreeing to be here today.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Sarah, the stories we've been hearing and sharing as part of this special Pandemic Perspective series are so important. And they've really got me thinking about ways to help and make an impact. I know that right now our listeners are also eager to make a difference, so we're excited to share a great opportunity from our friends at Crisis Text Line.
0: Yes, so Crisis Text Line offers 24-7 support from trained crisis counselors, all delivered via text to people in crisis. As you can imagine, our current national situation with people stuck at home and sometimes in unsafe or unhealthy situations, it's really created a huge demand for extra mental health support.
1: Crisis Text Line is responding to that need by building up its base of volunteer crisis counselors, and this could be a perfect opportunity for you. You don't have to have any particular education or work background to apply, just a desire to help out and empathy, which we know our listeners have so much of. Oh, yeah. And you'll also need a strong Wi-Fi signal.
0: You can do this important work during nap time, after the kids are in bed or before they get up in the morning. You can do it in your pajamas, on the sofa, wherever you are and whatever your home life situation. Crisis Text Line can accommodate you as a volunteer. Crisis Text Line provides all the training you'll need to turn your desire to help into the skills and knowledge you need to make a difference. It's actually 30 hours of training, so it's a big commitment. But you can be confident that you'll have the tools and information you need to do the work.
1: This is such a great way to make a difference right now when we know so many of you are feeling helpless because you're stuck at home. Just go to themomhour.com slash CTL. Even if you can't get started right now, it's a good idea to go through the application and training process because we know the mental health impact of COVID-19 is going to last for some time. Applying to become a crisis counselor is a great way to start the ball rolling on a volunteer opportunity that could be really rewarding and impactful now and in the future.
0: And if you're having a hard time right now and you need some help, you can also get support right now. Text GO to 741741 and you'll be connected to a trained crisis counselor. It usually takes less than five minutes to connect with someone who can provide a listening ear. You don't have to be in a dire situation to reach out. Crisis Text Line really is for any situation where you need some extra help and support.
1: Again, if you're interested in applying to become a crisis counselor, go to themomhour.com slash ctl to get started. Or if you could use some support yourself, text go to 741741 and you'll be matched with a counselor of your own. Again, that's themomhour.com slash ctl to apply to become a volunteer crisis counselor or you can text go to 741741 to be connected with a crisis counselor. Hi, everyone. This is Megan and you're listening to Pandemic Perspectives on the Mom Hour. Today, I'm talking with Hillary, a mom of two from California. Hi, Hillary. Hi, Megan. So, tell us about you and your family, including your kids' ages and what you do for a living.
4: Sure. So, let's see. I'm a psychologist at a local university. My kids are three and a half and two, um, both boys. And my husband works in the tech field. We're in the San Francisco Bay Area. Wow.
1: Okay. So, I'm so curious about this. I was actually just listening. To a podcast yesterday, where they um, interviewed a woman who runs a crisis text line, and they were saying ki- that young people are doing surprisingly well with all of this. So, what has your experience been? Not the same, or are, are, you know, as an age group goes, how are college students handling everything?
4: You know, surprisingly well. I would totally agree. Of course, we have some that have been struggling for a long time, and they're still struggling. But I wouldn't say that this has enhanced it that much. Okay. Um, I mean, I think a lot of college students are back at home. They don't have all the requirements of, you know, being into class on time and all the extra stuff that comes with being at college. So I think they're doing surprisingly well. And I've actually had a number of students say, oh, I want to give back. I'm going to try to get a job at a grocery store, try to help out since. I don't tend to be in some of those high risk groups.
1: Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And I think the, the person uh, on the podcast said, yeah, they're sleeping. <laughs> like they're getting yeah, more rest total. and their lives are less stressful. So I just that, that's such an interesting perspective because I know so many of us are worried about our kids and really it might be us that are, are struggling a little more
4: than the kids themselves. Yeah. And I've, I've been shocked. Um, you know, this generation gets a really bad rap for not being super empathic and all that. I think they are but I, you know, get to see a different side and they care a lot about their families. They're worried about their grandparents. Mm. They care about the community, but yeah, they're sleeping more. Yeah. So they live a lot of their lives online anyway.
1: Right. So I'll, the sleep is probably a good, a good, um, side effect of all this. So let's Absolutely. so talk about the ways, the biggest ways that your life looks different now than it did say a month ago.
4: Sure. So I think two things, my job, generally is face to face and in a private room and all of that and i've had to make this move to telehealth and psychology as a field is kind of slow going towards this okay and so we've had to make this rapid change to completely telehealth i'm still in a private room but i'm working from my bedroom which is an entirely different look into my life than clients normally get and i've had to manage you know what things can I use online without breaking confidentiality and what you know how do what happens I had this really awkward moment where I was waiting on the video camera and I'm like what do I do while I'm waiting for my client right this is a whole (laughs) new way of being right um so I'd say on the work side that's kind of where I'm most impacted for sure I'd say on the personal side honestly groceries your your guys's recent podcast on um, pantry storage yes. and freezer meals and all of that was so helpful.
1: Oh, good. I'm glad to hear it because I don't think most of us have to be or sometimes even like find it ideal to be in that mindset. It's like just go shopping a couple times a week. It works. Right. And it's a huge shift.
4: Absolutely. I normally like take my meals and I get to plant whatever meals I want for the week. And then I just order it. And a couple hours later, it comes to the door and very fortunate in that way. And now I'm like, Oh, I can't get groceries for a week. Right. I might not get all the groceries I ordered. And it's a whole different way of trying to approach this. That is, um,
1: yeah, that's been something (laughs) even for, (laughs) even for those of us who are used to shopping a little less often and maybe shopping a little more in bulk, still not knowing if things are going to be in stock or, um, whether you're going to feel safe going, like how things might change in your community. Pretty quickly um, can kind of be this like looming specter, right?
4: <laughs> so, yeah, and yeah. and California has been a hot spot, um, and we're very fortunate that the Bay Area and and our governor kind of shut things down pretty quick, and so our curve is flattened, right? Luckily, but it's still it was a hot spot early on, and I was just like, I don't even want to leave my house. I right. just want to stay as you know local as possible.
1: Yeah. So that sounds like a hard like a hard thing that you're dealing with right now. Um what else is hard right now? You've got little kids and you're doing telehealth.
4: Um how are you making that work? We are so fortunate. We have an Au pair, okay? And so she lives in our house so she's considered part of our family unit. Um I think underneath the ordinance I would also be covered as an essential worker, but we don't even have to worry about the driving or the, you know, any of any of those extra factors. So I've been very fortunate. And since my husband works in tech, he's able to kind of move around meetings and have a little bit more flexibility with when I have clients. Um, But I would say the hardest thing is really that, you know, my my older son was playing with his astronaut and taking his little rover and going to, you know, the zoo and going to the park. And I was just like, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, this is hard. And you're three and a half, so you get it, but you don't really get it. Yeah.
1: And it's, it's like their, their sense of time, I don't know, doesn't really exist. It's vague. So you could tell them, you know, in a couple of months, we'll be able to do things like normal again, but that means nothing
4: to a three-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And the first week, I think he was just really stoked. He was like, yeah, P- parents are both around. They're both home for dinner every night on time. You know, it's, it's exciting. And then this last week, he's like, can we go to the park? <laughs> right. No, it's yeah. closed. Can it's we see closed. my friend that I'm FaceTiming that lives down the street? No, no, that's closed. That's canceled.
1: Sorry. Yeah.
4: Um, So I think just that that idea and he gets that there's germs outside. Um, We had actually gone on vacation right before everything really started getting bad. And we had to change it from a flight to a drive down to San Diego. And we told him it's because there's germs on the airplane. And, you know, we don't want to get this new baby that we were visiting sick. And so he gets that like he understands it, but he doesn't. Has no concept of time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's been a while. It's
1: been a while now, and we've got some more time to go. Um, Yeah. Well, on the other side, what feels hopeful to you right now? So, a couple things.
4: I think the fact that I'm seeing my students really want to give back and want to figure out how to take care of those that are most vulnerable, I think is just amazing to see. Um, I think that people are putting The whole you know the society as a whole in front of their own individual needs I go walking out on the street in our neighborhood and everyone does the six foot distance Mm. you know we're all really mindful of it um and then on a personal front my boys are just I'm I'm never been so thankful I've had them a year and a half apart before right um but they've just turned towards each other and you know, they're just giving each other hugs and singing like love songs to each other.
1: Oh, I love that. I know.
4: And I'm just like, okay, okay, it'll be okay. They, you know, they're focusing on this simpler life. They're focusing on each other and building up this bond even more, and it'll be fine. Yeah, we'll and, all be okay.
1: And I've thought about that with without the outside distractions. What, how will that bring us closer as nuclear family units, which have been kind of pulled apart? I mean, and just by all the competing things on our attention, um, for years now, is this going to be kind of a reset? Uh, I wonder about that.
4: Absolutely. And I wonder if it's an opportunity to focus a little bit more simply. And I've always kind of rallied against the busy bandwagon. And, you know, I've always been that like, no, I don't want to overschedule granted my kids are three and a half and two. So I haven't really had the opportunity to do that. Um, but it's been this amazing focus on, Let's go find things in our neighborhood. Let's go mm. look at this rock for a little bit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's been That's awesome. Great.
1: What do you wish other moms understood either about your perspective as a mom in your area of the country or your or your role um with the college kids?
4: Um I hope kind of as we were talking about in the talking about in the beginning that you know they're more resilient than we give them credit for. Um that isolation And being isolated does not have to mean being lonely. Mm. And I think those are two different states of being. And I just hope, I guess, as a psychologist, I'm just hoping that people can really practice a lot of self compassion during this Mm. time. Like things are not going to look the same as they normally do. And that's okay. Your kids will be okay. You will be okay. Um, And just making sure you get that in that, you know, I had. One of my sons joined me on a call to a colleague. I, I wasn't like, oh, you can't be in here. Dah, yeah. dah, it wasn't with a client, obviously. But I was just like, this is just how it is. Yeah. It's part of my life. And um, I, I just hope that people can practice that self-compassion and see the opportunities for growth in yeah. all of this.
1: Well, and there is something very unique about all of us being thrown in the same boat at the same time. So your boss or your client or whoever is also dealing with the same thing. So like everyone is, I've, I'm seeing everybody be a little more um, accepting about distractions Mm -hmm. and kids because everyone has to deal with it. Now there's no hiding from
4: it. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And I think that's the part about that for, at least for my clients and what I've seen overall is it's not a loneliness people are feeling because they're not being left out. There's nothing going on. Right.
1: Yes. Um, FOMO is dead.
4: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so it's, they're in their room just like everyone else is in their room, yeah. and they're doing okay. Yeah,
1: this is great. Well, thank you so much, Hillary, for sharing your perspective. Um, I love hearing from you, and thanks for being on the show. Of course. Thank you for having me.
0: We have so enjoyed getting to know so many of you and hearing your stories for this series. It's just really eye-opening to get a sense of how this is all playing out in different families and careers and communities across the United States and beyond.
1: Yes, and if you've been listening along and thinking, oh, I wish they'd done a story that reflects my experience, here's your chance. We're still looking for guests to be interviewed as a part of the series over the next few weeks, and we would love to share your story.
0: In particular, we're still looking for stories of small business owners and employees, retail, restaurant, hospitality, service businesses, people whose livelihoods have been interrupted and will continue to be impacted by COVID-19. If that's you, or if you have another story you'd love to share with us, Please visit the slash perspectives to fill out a short form letting us know more about your story and we'll be in touch. Again, that's themomhour.com slash perspectives to let us know how COVID-19 is impacting you, your family, your business, and your community. We hope to hear from you soon. Hey everyone, this is Sarah and you're listening to Pandemic Perspectives on the Mom Hour. Today I'm talking with Carla, a mom of three from Ontario, Canada. Carla, welcome and tell us about you and your family, including uh, how many kids you have and what you do for a living.
3: Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, my name is Carla and I'm from uh, just outside of Kingston, Ontario, which is about two hours from Toronto and two hours from Ottawa. So kind of Right in the middle there. Mm -hmm. I am a mom of three girls, age six, four, and almost three. So we've got a young, busy house. Um, My husband uh, is home with us, um, but works outside of the home uh, five days a week. Um, And I'm a full-time out-of-the-house working mom as well. Um, So for my job, I um, work for our local Children's Aid Society. Um, which is a child welfare protection agency in in Ontario. Um, And my role there is um, I'm a children's services worker. And my caseload consists of all children in our local foster care system. Um, And I essentially case manage um, their experience while in care. And we work uh, as joint team members with other departments to ensure that all planning is being done to um, achieve permanency for them while they're with us. That's,
0: that's awesome. Is your background in social work? Is that kind of how you came to this position?
3: Yeah. So my undergrad degree is uh, I have my Bachelor of Social Work degree from Carleton University um, and have been in the child welfare field for uh, oh just over 10 years um, and have been doing this role for the bulk of that, um, probably about seven and a half to eight years I've been in this role, uh, minus a couple of mat leaves in there. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so before all of this happened, before COVID-19, your days, um, I would assume, were spent with a lot of face to face contact with both children and the foster families and other agencies. Correct. So you are out you were out in the world seeing people before all this. Is that correct?
3: Yes, I am out in the world seeing people that every day. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I travel around fairly locally, but I see kids in foster homes. I see kids in group care. I see kids that are living independently and my caseload ranges from zero right to age uh, 21. Um, And then beyond 21 um, in Ontario, we can support kids involved in our system until 25 if they're in post-secondary education.
0: Okay. And how long do you typically follow or stay with A child. You said you you have like seventeen kids on your caseload right now, children. Correct. So, are some of those that you've known them for months or years, or give me a a sense of what that what that looks like?
3: Yeah, that really varies. Um, Sometimes kids' time in care can be very quick and just kind of come in and come out as we work through some safety planning, and kids can get right back to their families. Uh, Other times they come in and quickly um, we're able to establish uh like kin families which are just people in their lives mm-hmm. that are connected to them outside um, that we can uh secure safe places for them to be. Other times uh kids for lots of reasons uh require staying in our system a bit longer and our goal is always to get kids out of care because it's right. not um the best place but at the same time while they're with us we do the absolutely the best things that we can. Um, to achieve permanency for them, whether that be independence, adoption planning, um, or discharging them from care.
0: Okay. Well, that helps me understand because I'm just not as familiar. So thank you. Um, so let's talk about how things have changed. Can you just talk a little bit about how your life looks different from the way it did a month ago? And I include in that your own work that you do and also, you know, your role as a mom and having kids at home and all of that so how do things look now and how how much has changed
3: yeah everything's changed if i'm honest um we i went from uh being face to face with clients and kids in the community on a daily basis to um we basically when this pandemic really kind of hit our community and we had to um we were just told that we needed to start working from home so That meant that everything that we did now was basically everything that we've done is within the confines of our home via a video conferencing call. And our ministry regulations have even allowed us to now complete those. We have standards that we have to see kids Mm -hmm. face-to-face on certain intervals. And so those face-to-face contacts now are being supported, being done via video conference. So... Certainly not ideal when you're trying to build relationships with youth and vulnerable kids in yeah. our community, but um, we're doing the absolute best we can to stay connected and make sure that the kids and families have the resources that they need.
0: Can I just ask real quickly on the on the logistics side? I know in education, I mean, in vulnerable communities, not everybody has Internet. Not everybody has high speed Internet. Not everybody has a webcam Um How functionally has that worked, and has it been challenging to reach some of these families and kids?
3: Yeah, so we, uh, right from the very beginning, um, we had been asked to reach out to our particular caseloads and really canvas that whole idea about who has access to a computer, um, who has access to internet. Are those barriers to us Mm -hmm. um, connecting with our families, and if they were identified as as a barrier, then. Um, our agency has been very supportive in um, kind of pooling together some resources to be able to get families connected in that way so that we can um, to continue our work and
0: make sure that that
3: bottom line that the kids are safe.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a huge undertaking without, you know, much advance notice. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about I mean, your your girls are very young and I know when you wrote to us, you mentioned that usually you keep work and home pretty separate because you deal with some really tough stuff at work and your kids are little um and I can totally relate to what you wrote to us about the just separating those things but now you you know it's all it's all intermingled um can you talk a little bit about the mom role um and and the way that that's kind of merged together and what that looks like now i mean are your are your girls in the next room while you're on conference calls how are you making that work
3: is very very difficult, and we've I've had some um, lots of conversations with my husband and with uh, some close friends, and then colleagues, and and even to the management level about what does that look like? Because I have worked very hard over my career to make sure that work life balance was existed, mm-hmm. and because this job can very much consume lots of your thoughts, and there needs to be a way. And I've I've learned. I, you know, you, you learn different strategies over your career on how to manage that. So that's certainly been something that's been really hard for me because my kids are, like I said, the girls are six, four, and two, and never really, have never really known what I've done for work. They've just always known that I've worked with kids and, and we've kind of kept it pretty light and we've never mm-hmm. really went into what exactly that means. But, um, the conference calls I've had to have because like I don't have the luxury with my kids being the ages they are to just excuse myself into my bedroom for right. a half an hour and just do a conference call so they are right there yeah. and um, although they aren't totally absorbing it I've had certain the girls ask me certain questions that I normally would never have brought up yeah. uh, with them like even just like Um, uh, one incident last week where I was on the phone with the police just dealing with a certain issue Mm -hmm. and my daughter just asking mommy why are you talking to the police and um you know just having to have those conversations those aren't part of our our normal reality that we talk about and have in our house that um she's wondering and questioning like kind of what what we're talking about and and
0: six is a really middle age in terms of they're old enough that a 6-year-old will pick up and will ask questions and they do know a little bit about the way the world works and yet they're probably not ready for the whole story so that's a tough no. harder even than if they were baby and toddler um and yeah. and harder than if they were a little bit older too so that is that's for sure. that's really tough what are some of the challenges that you're seeing with your caseload kids, we talked about obviously technology barriers, but I would imagine that, you know, these, these, this is a vulnerable community of kids. Are there unique challenges to those kids that probably a lot of our listeners wouldn't even think of being in the communities we are?
3: Yeah. I think one, one big theme that we've really had to pay attention to is contact with biological families. Mm. So a lot of our uh, kids that were working with have regular access with their biological parents, siblings, grandparents. And that is a a, like Mm face-to-face contact happening and on all levels of supervision. I mean, we go from a supervised visit in our office right to unsupervised visits for the March break. Like Mm -hmm. it, it, it really depends on kind of the scenario about how much contact kids are having with biological families. So we've really had to put in a focus on we although face-to-face visits right now are not something that we can support, how can we be creative Mm. with maintaining contact between kids and their biological families and what does that look like and how can we make sure that those things are happening um, so that those connections stay strong?
0: Yeah. And I would just imagine that things like anxiety and stress and mental health, which we are all so aware of right now that those things are just at a more intense level for a lot of your kids, I would imagine
3: absolutely i mean mental health is a theme that runs through all of us and we all um have ebbs and flows with where our mental health uh kind of falls um and this with any pre-existing mental health uh stuff happening this just like adds to yeah. it tenfold yeah. um it just really brings out stuff that is hard and yeah. hard for kids and and because i work with kids from 0 to 21 essentially um you have a like the, the developmental spectrum there is yeah. so big that kids in different like you talk about a six-year-old versus a 15-year-old they're understanding yeah. the world very differently right yeah. now
0: yeah well we've talked about a lot of things that feel hard but is there one thing that feels particularly hard in your life right now
3: the biggest thing that feels hard for me right now is my work-life balance it's yeah. like when do you when can you shut things off and when can you turn them back on? And, yeah. and the pull between um, work and the kids and the literal pull, like yeah. I'm on the on a <laughs> conference call and I'm getting the tug on my leg or the tap on the shoulder, mum 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 yeah. mum, And they need me for whatever reason. And yeah. then I'm getting the demands on the other end too. And how they're, they're very, they're both equally important, um, but normally I'm able to give my full attention for my work day. Yeah. And then I come home and my full attention's on them. Yeah. I don't usually have to divide.
0: In the moment. Right. Yeah. In the moment. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we said at the beginning, but in case it wasn't clear to anybody, your husband right now is still considered essential. So um, yeah. while I assume he's a, a very supportive partner, he is not physically there. He's not, he can't take a toddler off your leg during a conference no. call right now. So it is. Yeah.
3: Yeah, no, exactly. He's out of the home eight hours, eight nine hours a day, um, Monday through Friday, and that's been really hard. And because we're two uh, working parent family uh, outside of the home, it it's interesting to me. And we've we my husband and I have had this conversation, but it's just interesting to me how quickly uh, the roles kind of fell, where he still got to go to work yeah. every day, and I was still managing working full-time and the kids and at what point and I mean who whose job takes priority yeah and it's interesting how it 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 fell like this Mm -hmm. and some of it was because I had the opportunity to work from home right and he did not so I mean and actually it kind of fell that way but we've had to have conversations about you know what like I I need some help at home and it's it's not about being supportive or not supportive. Right. It's just a matter of how are we going to negotiate this new normal and how can we, like what sacrifices are our family willing to take so that we can do all of this? Yeah.
0: I think there's so many couples and family units that are redefining um, like job roles and responsibilities inside the house in, in ways that we never thought we would have to. Um Well, on the other end of the spectrum, is there something that feels hopeful to you right now or little points of hope that you're finding in all of this? And this could be anything personal or professional or something you're seeing, you know, collectively as a world. But I just like to ask that question.
3: Yeah, I think the the bit of hope that we can, I think we're all strongly hoping for is that, that we are flattening this curve. Mm -hmm. And if we all are doing our part here, that this curve is being flattened. And I am hopeful that all these sacrifices that we're all making and how creative we've had to be in our home and work life uh, is is ultimately flattening this curve. And that's what I'm really hopeful for. And and I guess I and saying that I think we're all just hopeful that we can get back to normal as soon as we possibly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Um, is there anything else we haven't talked about that you would want other moms to take away from this conversation or something that people might not understand about kids in foster care or anything else you'd like to share?
3: One thing that I've been kind of like dabbling in my brain here in the last couple of weeks is really um, how much our mental health has been affected here. And that although I think as moms and as social workers and as teachers and community people and just everybody out there doing the absolute best we can, we are really quick sometimes to say, you know, well, I'm thankful that my life has this or that, or, you know, there's always somebody in a worse off situation, but really taking the time to understand that we can all struggle in our own Mm -hmm. life and feel the heaviness of this. And although we're all thankful for our blessings, it's okay to struggle and feel a little bit uncertain about our own situations. And we, we all have certain privileges and, um, but that doesn't take away the fact that it still feels really, really hard. And in our own houses, that's hard. And I, and one other thing that I just really have had some conversations with, uh, my, my close people about is like, at what point do we, have to choose or do we have to choose between our physical health and our mental health mm-hmm. and that's such an interesting concept right now because we're doing everything around us to protect our ment or to protect our physical mm-hmm. health but where like when you've lost your support system mm-hmm. and you can't you don't have school or daycares and you you know you've lost some of that your community or that village that you've relied on mm-hmm. or your play group or your, um, you know, your play date or whatever it may be when, when that's no longer accessible to you choosing between mental health mm-hmm. and physical health gets very blurry.
0: Yeah. And I think that's something we're probably going to be seeing for a long time, even after the worst is over is, um, you know, the place where those two things kind of come come together um, and where those decisions have been made. So I think that's a really interesting point. Well, Carla, thank you so much for sharing your perspective. Um, I loved hearing about the work that you do, and we just really appreciate it and, you know, wish you and all those kids that you care for all the best. So thank you.
3: Thank you very much. I've enjoyed uh, my time with you today.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you're listening, and that way you'll get notified when our new episodes drop both the regular parenting and motherhood topics you're used to hearing from the mom hour as well as this special series
1: also if you're enjoying our podcast episodes during this time we'd so appreciate your support in the form of a review on apple podcasts stitcher or wherever you listen ratings and reviews help others find the show and they help us continue to grow so we could reach more moms
0: we'll be back with you on tuesday with another all new episode of the mom hour talk to you then
1: Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to Erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by the Essential Calendar. Sarah, this is our favorite calendar for busy moms because its beautiful and simple design shows around three months at a time.
0: Yeah. And with summer fast approaching now is a great time to get the essential calendar and see what I've been raving about all these years. Get 10% off your order at the essential the mom hour. That's 10% off at the essential the mom hour.